What's up, everybody? It's your main man, Kale Breezy, and I am here on another episode of Kale's World. And this time, I'm going to be talking about another slash movie franchise that just dominated the 80s and to the guy, like to the 90s. Well, whatever. I'm, I'm excited. This is, I'm going to be talking about the iconic A Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Yes. Freddy Krueger, the house. Night, uh, what's it? What they say? What did they say? Um, New Line Cinema, the house that Freddy built. Yes. Oh man, this movie is a classic. It's iconic, legendary, one of the best slasher films out there, and it spawned so many sequels and a crossover movie with the Friday Thirteenth franchise with um Jason Voorhees and Freddy versus Jason. Oh my gosh, even had a TV series. Um, had a comic book with um. Freddy versus Jason versus Ash from Evil Dead. Oh, it's just so many toys, games, you know, clothing, gloves being sold. So many, just swept the nation. Freddy Krueger, the Nightmare on Street franchise just swept the nation. People just fell in love with Freddy, couldn't get enough of Freddy. And I just feel like that's one of the reasons where New Line took L's by trying to push out so much so fast. Instead of just giving the time to fully develop a story, you know. Oh, plot and everything and characters. But we'll get into that when we talk about the sequels. But right now, we're going to get into the original Nightmare M Street where we get introduced to the Springwood Slasher himself. And this one, they wasn't calling him Freddy Krueger. They was just calling him Fred Krueger. Um, he had his parents were different. Um, like I said, this is again, though. Know, like other franchise, franchise horror movies, um, series. Um, the first one is kind of a low budget. You can kind of, in some ways, you know, you can tell, but, and, you know, not really, but how much money they put into the practical effects and the kills in this movie. We have some pretty dope kills. And then Willis Craven, rest in peace, man. Um, show his brilliance, his great idea, his mind. And the team he's working with, oh my gosh, how they just made these kills look so damn good on screen. And if you didn't know the behind the scenes stuff, you would be like, how the hell did they get some of this stuff to happen? Oh my gosh. And Fred Krueger in his appearance, he didn't have the green stripes, green and red stripes on his sleeves, on his sweater. Um, It was just red. His sleeves were just red and it was a little baggier and clothes. You know, but Robert Engel did a great job in Fred Krueger. That's why he was not replaceable. In the events until they did that sorry remake that I would have to discuss as well, I see. But anyway, man, let's get into this movie. I'm talking about this movie. Um, it started off great uh, with a nightmare. Where it started with um, actress Amanda Wyatt playing Tina Gray. Some people thought she would have been the final girl because she fit the typical, you know, cute, blonde. But, and, and a nightmare. We got to see Freddy. Trying to, you know, it's chasing her throughout the dream and scares her enough to wake her up. Anybody think, hey, no kill? Okay, cool, whatever. Um, met her mother, apparently, it's, you know, just, you know, kind of dates around, travels around. I think her mom was a flight attendant, I believe. So she's out of town. But anyway, we meet the rest of her friends Helen and Cap, who played Nancy Thompson, the young, upcoming superstar now. Johnny Depp, who played Glenn, and then Tina's boyfriend, on and off again with problems. Um, Rob Lane, who was played by Juice Garcia. Um, like I said, um, Tina and 
Rod had issues, you know. I was like, I had a heart on last night. Your name all over Tina, and she came back with that's impossible, Rod. You, you're talking. Their junk's not long enough to have a full letter name on it. Paraphrase, but yeah. So yeah, we we, we meet the we meet the four teenagers in this movie, and then thing about Nightmare M Street, they never really had like a big kill count in the movies, you know. They so this one's no different. Um, so. I'm gonna fast forward on tonight. Tina dies. That's the night, Tina. She didn't want to be alone because she had nightmares about Freddie, and apparently Nancy had the same dream. And apparently all of them had dreams about Freddie, but they never talked about because they thought it's a nightmare. So, um, we get to tell about the finger knives, the razor knives on Freddie, and he kept scratching against the, you know. So, and then this team was cute. She has another nightmare, and Rod came over. They do have sex. That's what they do in slash movies. Somebody has sex or gets drunk or smokes weed or show their boobs. <clears throat> but anyway, Tina has a nightmare and she gets full we get foolish boost to Freddy. We see that he's not just a typical slasher killer with a mask and creeping behind you, walking around silently, kill you or stab you, whatever. He has a voice and he's creepy. This would make this is this is what makes it creepy before he got all comical. He's Taunting you with his evil taunts and scaring you, and like he, like he cut his fingers off. Yeah, like this miss where cut, cut his fingers off. So like, oh my god, you're in a dream, but I'm an evil. So this dude, even like the, he stretches arms out. He's an alley. He how he stretches arms out, like the um stretch Armstrong toy. That he can stretch his stretch his body. He pretty did that, and then was like. She like, oh my god, and like, you know, this is God with the glove to his face. And then his then like he chased her and she knocked his face off. His skin his face was like an evil skeleton, he had an evil laugh. Not his iconic ha 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 feels more. <laughs> and the thing about this movie makes so this horror movie slash is like if you die in your dream, you die in real life. And she's fighting in her dream and wakes up rod. And this thing, you know, like this thing he slashes cut down her chest from her torso down to her stomach, a sternum all the way down to her stomach, cut her down. And Ron, what the hell? And this thing you know, you see her body getting drug up the wall, and she's screaming, oh, Rod, help me, help me. And this thing, she's up on the ceiling. And this, this is what makes the movie so great. Like, he's dragging her out the bed, across, up the wall, out to the ceiling, and she falls to the bed. And be, Pull blood, he's Rod. And he escaped. So now Rod, everybody thinks Rod's the killer because he's the only person in the room where she got killed. So they said, this, this movie has some great kills. Now they're trying to figure out what's going on. Nancy had these dreams about Freddy. It's just crazy. We, and it, I can't explain how much great practical effects this movie has because when Nancy was sleeping in Tina's room and the crucifix got knocked down, how ready? For ready. Freddy, he, um, Took his like his face and head was against came through the wall. Not came through the wall, but pressing against the paint. Like he didn't come through, but he came off the wall. Which I'll have a fun fact about that later. So he just pressed against the wall, looking at her. But then he went away when she woke up and put the crucifix back up. Grab the crucifix. But yeah, so um, we meet her dad. He's the um, sheriff. Um, Donald Thompson, played by John Saxon. 
Yeah. Uh, man, we meet her mother, played uh, Marge Thomas, played by uh, was it Rone, Ronnie, Ronnie Blankley. Guess that's how you say her name, Ronnie Blankley. Mm. Yeah. So we'll go, we'll we'll just we'll go with that. We'll stick with that. I'm probably just calling it. So then you know, Nancy next day she went. She just like. She's like, I gotta go to school. I don't want to sit home. Like, like most people, when you witness something traumatic or traumatizing, you don't want to sit home and think about it all day. Like, I gotta do something to keep my mind off of it. So let me just get out and do some things. You know what I mean? Live my life. Let me just. So Rod is hiding in the bushes and he's trying to talk to Tanya, convince her that he didn't do it. And it was somebody else. But it's just a setup. You know, her dad was secretly following her. And then Rod gets arrested, and Tina goes to, not Tina, sorry, Nancy goes to school, we meet the famous Lynn Shay, the sister to Rob, Robert Shay, the producer of New Line, Big Cheese at New Line Cinema. Lynn Shay's the teacher, if, you, if you're familiar with her, you've seen her before, Lynn Shay, you will see her again in, in the Insidious films, playing Elaine. Yeah, she started... I think this is her first role in the movie, playing the teacher in a Nightmare on M Street. And then we see her, really get to see her again in Insidious, Elaine. Oh, who can see like dead spirits and demons and stuff. Has that supernatural ability in the Insidious films. Cool, right? Dope stuff. Anyway, um, Nancy, um, she falls asleep. And she looks out there in the hallway. And she sees Tina in the body bag. Nancy. And then she disappears. So Tina runs out the class. Just leaves class because she's in a dream, apparently. Going down the hallway and she just sees Tina body, in the body bag on the floor and the legs raised up and somebody's dragging her. So she has a trail of blood on the floor. So as Nancy's running, boom, she runs to the hall monitor. Run your hall pass. Screw your pass. And then this girl has like this Freddy sweater, and then she has the uh, a glove, and that Freddy voice, no running in the halls. Yeah, and they say no Tina. This thing that Nancy's in the boiler room. Yep, in the boiler room right now. She meets Freddy. She gets to meet Freddy, and he pulls up his sweater and cuts himself, and uh, maggots and green slime comes out. He's chasing her, and she's. Dead and she's screaming. So the only way she can get herself out, she has to she hurt herself to get out. And she burns her arm. She burned her arm in a dream and then burned real. And she woke up screaming and teacher, dad, or help her and she leaves school. So everybody's concerned. Her boyfriend, Glenn's concerned. Like, What's going on? You're going crazy. You're going crazy. So, you know, of course, somebody else gotta die. So Nancy's trying to figure out who is Freddie? How do I happen? Like, where has my dream happened in real life? So at this point in the movie, now they're like scared to go to sleep. So she's doing everything she can not to go to sleep. And it's like this movie has so many iconic scenes in this movie. Um Raj Delph when he's prison, he's asleep. And then Freddie just pretty much puts a blanket around his neck and hung him in jail. Like he like suicide, like he hung himself. What a good cover up. Keep your name safe. And then we got came back to the iconic scene of when Nancy's in the tub and her mom's like, Don't fall asleep, I don't want you to drown. And she falls asleep in the tub, and this thing you know we get the infamous Freddy hand with the glove coming up out of the water, trying to shut her face and goes back. And then he pulls on the water 
in the tub and she gets out. You know, some iconic scenes. Like I said, these had some iconic death scenes and we get to see um Glenn had a great death in this movie. And I'm kind of paraphrasing beating the past. But this is where they came up with the idea of if pulling Freddie out the dream world into their world. Because when Nancy was in the sleep clinic, she's having dreams and when she woke up, she had the gray streak of hair and she pulled Freddie's hat out of the dream world. And then her mom, you know, pretty much told her who Freddy Krueger was, like telling Freddy Krueger can't come after you because mommy killed him. Because she explained to him that he was a child killer who got off on a technicality because people didn't sign paperwork in the right place and all this other stuff. And so the parents got revenge by finding him, tracking him down, and burning him alive. Yeah. And she not and she kept his murder weapon and took it downstairs in her basement and and showed it to her. Wouldn't it, be, it would miss me up to find out that my mom, my dad, some other parents, they killed the man. I mean, I understand it was you know, revenge. I mean, I would understand it, but it would still mess me up. It really missed me up to find out this man wanted to kill me to get revenge. You know, to get revenge for parents killing him for not getting justice for him killing kids. You know, I realized that like a lot of slasher movies or horror movies, period, like the villain. It's not his wrong is not justified. Like, oh, I'm killing to get revenge against people who killed me who got revenge for me doing wrong. You know what I mean? He was doing wrong, killing kidnapping kids and killing them. It's the name Springwood Slasher. And he got caught but got off because somebody signed paperwork in the right place. You know, he's guilty. And the parents kill him. And then he comes back to revenge, killing teenagers and kids on M Street. In their dreams. How about that? Fun stuff, right? Yeah. So, like I said, Nancy comes up with the idea she got to get him out of there. And she wants Glenn to help, but Glenn's parents is like, man, they, they don't need to talk, spend time together. And Nancy more like, you ain't getting that. I'm putting bars on the windows, locking doors. You ain't getting that. So, Glenn's falling asleep. Glenn was not reliable in this movie. Like, he fell asleep every time he was supposed to. Like, bro, you don't drink coffee? You ain't got no medicine and pills when stay woke like like Nancy was. So we get another iconic death. Like um the infamous part when Freddie pulls Glenn through his bed. And like all his stuff, like his TV and his radios, everything's got pulled to the bed with him. Then we get this big shot of like through the, like a manhole to hold the bed and blood just shot up through the, out the bed. Unfortunately, we never got to see what it would look like in the real world. We just saw, you know, the blood splatter. We didn't get to see what everybody else saw. I think it'd been pretty dope to see, like, body parts cut up everywhere, and pieces and chunks and all that other stuff. That'd have been dope. But I don't know. So, the only thing we got to see was, you know, the mother's looking in the room scared. And it was so much blood, apparently, like, it was leaking through, leaking from the, like, glance room down through the ceiling in the living room. And they get like a pool of blood. Apparently it was a lot. So Nancy calls Glenn's house and talked to her dad. Like she's gonna get the guy who um, who did this. And it says Fred Krueger. So she had bought a book early on and trying how to make traps and set stuff up. So she had a plan to bring Freddie out from the dream world to the real world. Which she does. 
and starts an infamous chase where she has all these booby traps and getting Freddy and lower him down into the basement where she set him on fire. And locked him in the basement. But that wasn't him because he ended up getting out the basement. And going upstairs to Tina's, to Nancy's mom's room. And on top of her, he's on fire. And Nancy, her dad, hit Freddy with a chair. And thing, you know, and throw the fire covers on top. You're like, they just, next thing you know, you see a burnt up Mrs. Miss Thompson's body and goes down to the bed and now it's gone. And then, this thing, you know, then, then like I said, the ending of this one is kind of crazy, but Nancy figures out, like, Brady, I feed off your fear. So she turns her back on him, like, I no longer fear you. I'm taking back all the power I gave you in fear. I'm no longer afraid of you, Freddy. And then, thing you know, Freddy just disappears and... And Nancy walks out the room into the broad daylight. And this is the ending where it got confusing, where people still don't understand the ending. Like, what the hell's going on? Like, what happened? Like, all of Nancy's friends are alive again. They're in Glenn's car. Nancy's mom's at the door, waving goodbye. Nancy gets in, and the top comes on. It's red and green striped top because Glenn has a convertible. Next thing you know, the door's locked, the convertible top locked, and it. The car drives off. They're screaming, help, help, mom, help. And in the worst fake body double ever, Freddie rips Nancy's mom through the door hole, the glass door hole, and kills her. And that's the end of the movie. I don't know why this... I mean, I know why I watch documentaries about it, but the ending was like that because... Robert Shea and Wes Craven could not agree on the ending, so they just kind of compromised and they got like a soaring ending. And Robert Shea kind of put kept putting his input in a movie where some in places where it didn't belong, and it kind of messed things up, made things worse, in my opinion. I'm just saying. So I really think that Robert Shea should just been a producer and just stood back and let Robert England, I mean Wes Craven, do his thing. That's my opinion. I could be wrong, but I don't think I am though on this one. But yeah, I love this movie, man. This movie is just so iconic, man. That, you know, it, and it left so much room for more sequels. Like, okay, they gave us Freddy, they gave backstory Freddy, but they didn't give a lot of backstories. Like, it's more to him, you know. And it was kind of more of it. So but anyway, guys, let's get into some fun facts. Things you know or may not know about the 1984 Nightmare on Elm Street movie. <laughs> you know, and some things that, you know, like I said, I got the documentary on this um, on this movie that covers all the films. So some of these things I already know and I already read and heard. So I'm just hoping that you all, stuff I tell you guys, that you probably know or don't know. If you already know, that makes it cool that you are a real fan. So anyway. This movie was an instant classic. I'm not gonna lie. 1984. Yeah, instant classic. I'm, I really love this movie. This movie is pretty damn good. So let's get into some fun facts here. <clears throat> Number one, the idea of dying in your dreams was inspired by something that actually happened. I, like I said, some of these things, like, probably all the stuff I'm about to say, I already knew and, and heard and read and saw already. But yeah, the idea of dying in your dream, it was inspired by something that actually happened. Like, 
in the late 70s and early 80s, like LA Times ran a series of articles exploring the phenomenon of multiple male refugees from Cambodia mysteriously dying and sleeping lost in the Los Angeles area over a three-year period. Like uh, three members of this group of refugees died in the exact same manner. They have a nightmare, refuse to sleep for a long as long as they could stay awake. Then they go sleep on to wake up screaming before experiencing sudden death. So, when Scraven, he used that too in the Nightmare Animal Street. That's where he got the idea from. Yeah. So, but it was um the third article that um that um got Wes Craven's attention as he told like I said in the, in the documentary movie um Never Sleep Again. It was about a young boy, you know, his father was a doctor. They had come out of a relocation camp. He had nightmares. He was telling his family, there's something at me. He's afraid if he don't stay awake, it's going to kill him. The kid decided it was going to stay awake. So he was taking sleeping pills. His father, man, that he, um, you know, that he found. And, you know, and he, uh, he, there was coffee pots and the closet full of black coffee with the long extension cord that he hid behind curtains. Like one night the family was watching a movie and he fell asleep. The father carried him upstairs and put him in bed. Everybody goes to bed. In the middle of the night, they hear screaming and run to the room. Before they get to him, he's dead. The boy died. So that's why he's like, I know I gotta do a movie about this. So that's where he got the idea from. You know, if you die in your dreams, you die in real life. Dope, right? Cool stuff. So, Fred Krueger's name, clothes, and glove are based on Wes Craven's childhood bully, a scary hobo, and a cat's claw, respectively. Like, again, I, I've heard this before. Like, you know what I mean? I've heard all of this before. So, people often get their, the original Inner Street only ever uses the name Freddy in the one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Nursery rhyme. Otherwise, like I said, he was only named Fred Krueger. Anyway, either way, the name comes from two sources. Fred or Freddy is the name of Wes Craven's childhood bully. Krueger is the extension of Last House on the Left's lead character, Krug. Plus, as Craven told him never sleep again, Krueger sounded very German and reminded him of one of the big war planes in Nazi Germany. Yeah. You know, sticking with um, Craven using um, stuff that, you know, scared him as a kid thing. As a child, he was, he was sitting old as a kid, starting when he saw this crazy, creepy old dude, like staring at him at the window. And he never saw this old creepy dude again. He said he scared the hell out of him. Now, the sweater, on the other hand, came from a far more cerebral place. Craven read in 1982, Scientific American Auto saying that the two most contrasting colors to the human retina are red and green. So he put those onto a red surface, abandoned his original plan to go with a red and yellow color scheme. You know, DC's Plastic Man. So, yeah. Now for the gloves. Which Craig put his master's degree in writing and physiology from John Hopkins University to use and looking into a 
excuse me, like uh, studies of primal fears in the human subconscious. He knew his killer needed the perfect weapon, so he pretty much used like an animal claw, like a bear, tiger, or something. So that's where he pretty much got the idea from with the claw. Like people be scared of death. You see, like a bear or a lion, ah, oh, claw you and scratch you and stab you. Yeah, there it is. Another fun fact that some people may not know, but I know. Uh, Freddy Krueger's face was inspired by pepperoni pizza. Yeah, pepperoni pizza. Originally, Wes Craven wanted Freddy's skull to be visible visible through the head as well as pus to seen seeping out of his sores. It was his makeup artist, David B. Miller, who decided, you know, the notion since in 1984 such a thing was entirely too impractical. Even they somehow use a combination of live actor and puppets. So here I came up with it. He was sitting down, you know, Miller. You know, he examined like, photographs of burn victims from the UCLA Medical Center for Inspiration. But the you know, the template for Freddy's face came from somewhere far simpler and innocent. Miller, who also was on the nervously began. Documentary. He was like, hey, he was at a restaurant one night. He was having pizza, deep in thought. He started playing around with the cheese, putting it around the pepperoni, and made for the face and the pizza. It's pretty cool. So, yeah. It's pretty dope, right? Did you guys know that Leather, Heather, Landon Cow beat out over 200 actresses for the role of Nancy. Um, she beat out Jennifer Grey, who played in Dirty Dancing three years later in 1987. She beat out Demi Moore, who was starting St. Elmo's Fire in 1985. Wow. She beat out Courtney Cox, famously dancing with Bruce Springsteen in 1984 music video for Dancing in the Dark. Uh, she beat out Tracy Gold, you know, who played on Growing Pains. Yeah. And that's something pretty cool, right? That's pretty dope stuff. Um, anyway, John Saxon was the name of the financial demander. I just thought you guys know that, but anyway. Okay, this is fun fact by Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp owes his big break to Wes Craven's daughter. If you haven't seen the documentary Never Sleep Again, go check it out. Some cool stuff. So, pretty much like, um, Depp went through the traditional cast process, rehearsing his lines on, this, on a side with friend, Nicolas Cage, and made to Wes Craven's final three choices for the part. The director was leaning towards the other guys, one of whom was someone with enough credit to be considered a marketable name. Then, as Craven explained and never sleep again, my daughter said, Dad, it's Johnny Depp. I said, really? But he looks kind of skinny and pale. She says, oh, he's beautiful. That was it. That was his, it was his boyish good looks that went over. Can't be mad, though. Sometimes plays out to be the best looking guy in the room. Another fun fact that people don't know that, but I know, because I watch documentaries and I heard people talk about it, I read stuff about it. Tina's death was realized using a rotating room. 
So, yeah, that was pretty dope for them to use a rotating room. Come in. Um, like I said, her room, they, they use like, they had a room set up on a harness, well not a harness, but in the directors, like the camera chair, and they were rotating it, so it looked like, and, and you watch the movie, like the room was sitting still, but actually it was rotating, so that's why she was able to hit the wall, hit the ceiling, and then hit the bed, the, the, I mean the stun double, but when you watch the movie, like the room was not moving, because they even had the camera rotating with the room. Yeah, isn't that some cool stuff? This is the part where uh, Freddie was originally supposed to be a child molester. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. In the 2010 remake, they made it far more explicit that in life Freddie was a child molester. You know, not necessarily a popular story decision. It's actually more in keeping with Craven's original concept. The only reason he backed away from it was a series of child molestation cases erupted in California during the development and production of Nightmare on Street. He didn't want to be seen as an insensitive or, you know, rude, nasty guy. Hey guys, like I said, the teacher, Elise Shay, I mean, Lynn Shay, who played Elaine, you know, in CDS, that is Bob Shay's sister. I said another episode that they was married or something, but I was wrong. Sorry, forgive me. That's his sister. She played the English teacher, which she went on to have great success later on in her career. Pretty cool. Now, that sucks. Another fun fact. They ran out of money two weeks before production was supposed to start. New Line got to start when Bob Shay used his copyright law knowledge to swoop up Reefer Madness and distributed to college campuses throughout the 70s. By the time Nightmare Street arrived for New Line's business model was still built around distributing cults and foreign films other people had made. Eh, a bunch of stuff that I don't think anybody would care about. But yeah. Sorry. Bob Shea has a um, little knowledge in law, copyright law knowledge. Cool, that's pretty good to have. No wonder he was able to buy stuff and pretty much bought the rights to New Nightmare on Elm Street. But anyway, another fun fact they finally ran out of money a week before the release date and couldn't pay the film now, which was producing the reels to be played in theaters. That sucks. So. The week before industry was supposed to open, the lab we they were using wouldn't release the negative because they had been paid. Um, they didn't have the money to pay them. Bob somehow worked out some kind of deal to pay the lab, uh, pay the lab of all their costs. So anyway, so let's get started. Last but not least, this one here is kind of interesting. The film had four different endings. Remember I was talking about that earlier? What? Where Rob, Bob Shea and Wes Craven was bumping his about the ending. It had four different endings and then just basically used all of them. Uh, Wes Craven's vision, the film would end with Nancy discovering it was all just a dream. 
leaving her to happily drive off to school with her very much so still alive friends and boyfriend. Bob Shea's version, the any need to have one final scare and sequel set up because in 1984, that's what all horror movies did. Craven resisted the idea, but relented because he felt he owned Shay considerably everything the producer had done to actually make the movie possible. <clears throat> Their effort at a compromise, though, resulted in a mass confusion. What if Nancy gets in the car? She's stunned to see Freddy at the wheel. Filmed it. Hated it. What if Nancy gets in the car with her friends? Freddy somehow possessed the vehicle and trapped the kids inside with a striped convertible top. They're anxiously crying for help, going unnoticed by Nancy, blissfully unaware mother. Hmm, better, but it feels like it needs more. What if Nancy and her friends fly away safely with their red convertible top down, but Freddy attacks her mother back at the house through a hole in the door? Wait, hold on. Why did we lose the part about Freddy possessing a car? Okay, we've got it now. What if Nancy and her friends are taken away in the possessed car with the striped top down, <laughs> and Nancy's mother is attacked by Fred, and we close with him somehow pulling her body through the door entirely? Even that, though, was debate on set. Shay simply didn't see the need for the final shot of Freddy pulling Nancy's. Mom through the door. When Craven sister Shay told them they only had one time to do it, had one time to do it once. They had to use whatever they got on that one shot or drop the idea entirely. Well, what they got it was what we see in the finished film. And that's what they did. They compromised. It was a bunch of ideas. Like, it's crazy. Like, nah, man, we're just going in on a, on the high note. And they're all her friends alive. So that's what we that's what we got. When she walked out to her mother's bedroom, first gone daylight. Nancy and her mother, oh happy, yeah, it's over. Yes, it's all a dream. We're good. There's my boyfriend and my friends. We're getting the car. We're happy. And you know, red top, the car possessed by Freddie. That's, that's just two ideas right there. And and they drive off screaming scared. The mother's blissful like, oh, have a good day. That's, that's what three ideas right there, and then next thing you know, Freddie pulls her, bam, mom through the, pulls mom through the door and kill her, and it ends like. So what happened to Nancy and her friends? What happened? I don't know. Nobody really knows. But anyway. Let's talk about this in the box office. Nightmare on Elm Street Maybach is budgeting in $1.27 million. Opening weekend from just 165 theaters. It will go on to gross $25.5 million domestically, which would be like $60 million at current ticket price. You know, the unique thing from this point forward for the Nightmare series was the next three films would make more than... The one which preceded it, unlike Friday 13, which never managed to match, to match the grosses of the 1980 original. Um, only three people killed in this movie. Well, if you want to count Freddy, but I don't count Freddy, but three people. 
Then they took it all away at the end. Well, four if you count on them all. So, yeah, four people was killed. But anyway, guys, this this has been my take on the 1984 Nightmare on Elm Street movie. I love this movie. I love this franchise. I love Freddy Krueger. I even have a Freddy Krueger glove. All right. So anyway, guys, continue to support your main man, Kel Breezy. And um, this podcast journey that I am on. I am on all of the major podcasts platforms description down below to buy your kills world and wrestling 901 gear this is my man kill breezy you're in kills world it's a fun place it's a happy place it's a loving place one love and i am out